Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I am your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Boy, we live in interesting times, as Confucian once said, that uh, things are uh, not, not going so great uh, in some parts of the real estate business. And so we look, we're looking for solutions, how to make real estate deals actually work and work even better. So today we are excited to have uh, a guest on that really can help you understand about why we invest in real estate. It's just not for the rate of return on these transactions. There's some financial reasons why we do it too. So, so uh, JC, let's, let's kick it off with Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely, Polly. You know, it, it is a crazy market out there, but there are some things that, that, that accordingly don't change. And one of those subjects that don't change right now, according to the latest and greatest tax laws, is how we can leverage uh, depreciation as real estate investors. And so today, what we're going to talk about is how to maximize depreciation tax benefits at your apartment property. So for all you folks out there, you know, most people do know somewhat about depreciation. They know a little bit about it, what it works or how it works, I should say, but they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs. So what we decided we do today is have a bona fide expert on the show to talk exactly about um, how you can maximize uh, depreciation tax benefits at your property. So I wanted to go ahead and introduce on the show today, Mr. Bill Smith. Uh, Bill is a director of business development for ELB Consulting Inc. And their company provides cost segregation studies uh, for real estate and, and other, and actually other, I should say, other um, uh, things as well. But uh, Bill, welcome to the show. And thanks so much for, for giving us a few minutes out of your day. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And I look forward to uh, this dialogue and talking about cost segregation. It's tax stuff. And most people, if you go to a networking meeting and say, what do you do? It's, oh, it is tax stuff. And they go, hey, nice to meet you. There's my friend, you know, JC, I, you know, and they, I get bored with tax. So I get excited about it, you know, weirdly. Um, but it's, it's interesting. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I get excited about it too, because anytime I can save a couple of dollars on my tax bill is, uh, is a good day at the office. Um, and so, Bill, you know, let's get it kicked off. You know, we, look, we have a lot of listeners out there, and our show is all about talking to experts about things that matter to apartment investors. We got a lot of people out there that are investing their hard-earned dollars into apartment properties. And so why don't we kick it off with asking you a simple question. For most people out there, they're going to know, but why don't you just give us a basic 10,000 foot uh, statement on what a cost segregation study is and how it relates to depreciation. Okay, so what cost segregation is, is it's a way, and I call it dissecting a building, where essentially we break down a building. So you buy an apartment complex for $5 million, and 27 and a half years is your depreciation. You divide that by 27 and a half years, and that's your normal straight line depreciation. And in some cases, well, men, you know, a straight line may be sufficient to mitigate income based on, you know, if they're not making a lot of money in the property, whatever. But most people want to mitigate and reduce their tax liability. So what we do is we break down the components of the building into 15-year, 7-year, and 5-year, and then you still have straight lines. So straight lines, your structural components, your roof, your HVAC, things like that that are pretty much need to be there. It's the five-year components or carpet, flooring, electrical hookups, 
you know, some people put appliances in there, but all the specialty features in and around there, seven year would be your telephone hookups and wiring, which the apartments folks are buying. I mean, no one uses landlines anymore, but the connections are still there. When you buy the property, it's part of your asset value. So we do take that. And then there's the 15 year, which is your land improvements, sidewalks, fencing, you know, paving, curbing, you know, tot lots and playgrounds and pools. And those are the things that when you accelerate that and move that forward, you push those deductions into an earlier year. And now with bonus depreciation, we'll probably talk about that. You can take it all in year one. So essentially, it's just like itemized deductions on your tax returns, you know, with your interest, your charitable contributions, your real estate taxes and things that reduces your tax liability. By accelerating depreciation, you use a time value of money to optimize your depreciation schedule and pay the IRS less money. Therefore, you have more cash flow to buy more real estate. Yeah, we, we love it. We, we, we love it, Bill, as, as real estate investors. So now uh, I want to ask you an important question here. And I, and I think it's something that a lot of real estate investors uh, may or may not be aware of. But um, there are some, some pretty big misconceptions about cost segregation in general. And I was wondering if you can go over about go over with us uh, some of those misconceptions and and why they're actually important to understand that they are misconceptions. Okay, yeah, I talked to a lot of people, CPAs, and even CPAs, a tax CPA. They got a ton of stuff to deal with, and they don't really deal with this specifically. So they have some misconceptions, and you see things on bigger pockets and conversations. But some of the key things are a lot of people think you must do a cost seg the year you place it in service or acquire it. So we got to do the cost seg now. If we don't do it now, we're going to miss the opportunity. And yes, maybe the best time to do it is to place it in service, but you may not have a tax liability that year. So maybe it's not the best time. We want to take advantage of that. But if you do it in year in service, that's fantastic. But you know, there's a thing called a look back study, which any cost seg provider should be able to provide, where you might have bought a building in 2017. And then we would go back and say, you heard this podcast and go, I never knew about this. And so you want to go down and get that cost seg. Well, we look back. So you've taken straight line in 17 and 18, but for 19 taxes we're filing and you're extending perhaps you can get it for 19. We deduct that straight line for those two years, but then we catch up, we catch everything up into the current tax year and then it's a carry forward. So you kind of don't have to amend those past taxes because there's other, Oh, you got to amend taxes. And that's expensive. Nope. You don't amend taxes. There's a form called the 3115. IRS technical form, but essentially it's changing the accounting method. There's another more detailed what it actually does, but you just tell the IRS, we were on straight line, now we're on component level depreciation. And when you do that, then your next quarterly tax payments are adjusted lower. So that's really where the cash flow comes from, because your quarterly payments then go lower when you have a lower tax flow. Some people are like, well, it's not going to help me till next March or April. Not true. You can adjust your quarterly payments, and so it can help you in the next quarterly payment, actually. Well, I love that. A look back study. And that is that is so enlightening for people to think they might have missed the boat. Now, is there any sort of limitation on the number of years you can go back for a look back? You can go back to 86, but by that, you know, that's, that's just too old. We can go back, depending on the size of the asset value, the farther you can go back, there's more to reclaim. If you're looking at a, you know, $250,000 home, and that's where our DIY you talked about earlier can help, you know, not that you can't go that far. If you're looking at a $10 million property or a $15 million, you know, apartment complex, we can go back six to 10 years. You can really go back 12 plus. Again, the higher the basis value that you're depreciating, 
the more opportunity there is to recapture and bring that current. If again, a lower value property, there's just not that much and it may not be a cost benefit analysis. So that's the look back is really key. And the only thing is that one form you do and you're good to go. I love it. So give us another misconception because that was a great one. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, everybody goes, oh, the recapture. I see these conversations recapture kills. You don't do cost saving. It's stupid. I get killed on that. And maybe sometimes recapture can be an issue, but recapture isn't the four letter word that everybody thinks it is. Recapture. First of all, let's, let's, for all the audience out there that may not know, let's define, Bill, what is uh, recapture? Uh, what, what are you speaking about there? So recapture, um, it, it's the tax liability. So let's use that $10 million property. You've done a cost segregation. You've been depreciated, you know, you know, two and a half million dollars. So your basis value now is from 10 million you paid for it. And now you're at 700 or seven and a half million dollars is your basis value. Someone comes up and says, I'm going to buy that for, you know, 15 million. You're like, yeah. So now you're, you're, you have a tax liability for the 5 million plus the two and a half million, right? So that's your overall tax liability on that sale, gain on sale. However, from the 10 million you paid for it to the 5 million is a capital gains tax rate. That recapture is that 750, is that 750 to 10, that two and a half million where you pay ordinary income tax rate. So if you're a 37% tax bracket, that could be high. However, if you're leveraging real estate, you might have a very low real estate tax. Your ordinary might be low. But then the other question comes in, you're paying ordinary income tax on that money anyway. You're just deferring it. So if you can use that money today a little bit, like, why wouldn't you? If you're flipping properties and doing the BRR method and things like that, it's probably not worth it. But if you've got a three to five year hold period, you're using that money now. And so usually in the sale, you deal with it. But if you're reinvesting and making money on it, it shouldn't be an issue. If you've got yeah, so the old, the old, that's right. So the old adage of a dollar in your pocket today is worth more than a dollar in your pocket tomorrow. Now, my understanding is that recapture rates, recapture rate is 25%. So, so if, if you're, you know, if, if you are, if you decide not to do uh, a cost seg study and, you, and you're just going to pay more, more taxes on that income, you're paying it at your personal tax rate, which could be higher than 25%. But if you're recapturing on the back end, it's only 25%. Am I, am I right in my understanding there? That's more of a CPA question. I don't have Steve on the phone, so it could be yes, but usually it's your ordinary income tax rate. Well, there's a recapture rate. Yes. yes. It usually yes, is correct. your ordinary income tax rate, depending on how you're structured with, with, you know, your, for some yes and for some no, but it depends on your, your financial structure. And that really boils down to the CPA and I'm not a CPA. I just play one on TV. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, re, re, uh, is destroying them or dispelling the myth about recapture being uh, such a negative thing. So give us, give us one more uh, misconception about cost segregation studies. A lot of people think it's too expensive. It's not worth the value. And so, and in some cases it is, if you do a fully engineered study, you know, if you're doing it on a smaller property, it may not do, but every cost, segreg cost segregation firm out there will do what's called a feasibility analysis. And what we do, like any other firm, is we'll get some of the basics. We'll plug those into our system. We'll analyze the property and determine what's the tax savings, what's your cash value as a result of that, and what's the fee you know, we charge by engineering hours to actually complete that study. And then you can make a financial decision. Does it make sense? Is the ROI there you know, to do the cost segregation firm? And, you know, typically, you know, they're between five and $10,000, depending on the studies, our average studies. And we do apartments, we do gas stations, we do, you know, 
casino hotels, you know, Amazon warehouses, we do everything. Um, so, so that's one thing. And then also for some of the smaller properties and what, what we, where we met is when I did that do it yourself DIY cost seg option where ELB has a platform where we've built a modeling system based on the 14,000 plus studies we've done that based on the property, it's going to come back and calculate that online in five minutes. I stepped a guy through two of them today. You key in a few key fields, you know, when you paid for it, you know, when you bought it, what you paid for it, you know, what's the square foot of the house, what's the square foot of the property, what's your land allocation, you know, and we're, we're coming up with a calculation and give you that number, kind of what's the condition that makes a difference. And any property under a million dollars, basis under a million. So if you bought a, an apartment complex for a million one, you have a land allocation of maybe 150,000 or more, then you could actually use DIY, which is like $1,300, $1,400 for that option. And it gives you a quick and dirty in five minutes. Now it's going to be air conservative because we're not inspecting the property, but there are low cost options out there. And so a few other companies have those for residentials and some for commercials. We'll do it on any property under a million, but there's plenty that are under a million that justify the full engineered study. So when I talk to somebody, I go through what are your property, what are your plans for value add? Is asset disposition important? Because the asset detail from a fully engineered study, which you will not get on the you know, automated version, you just get the numbers, which is all the CPA cares about is, five, seven, 15, and 27 and a half year property. Um, you know, that asset detail may be beneficial to you. And so the value might be there if you're replacing roofs and you know sidewalks and things like that that are the 27 and a half year, you're able to do disposition and abandonment. So you can expense those. So if you can expense something in the year you, you know, of the year of, of, of uh, disposition, which is part of the you know, tangible property regs for the IRS, that's excellent. So you might change a roof or do floor, and it might be $10,000 worth of stuff you're peeling off your basis value, and then you're adding and replacing that with something new, which you might be able to expense with the 179 or disposition, like HVAC and roofs and things like that. Now, 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 Bill, what, so we're talking about, you know, uh, properties that are, let's say under a million or so. Now a lot of, we, we have a lot of it, uh, investors and, and sponsors that listen to our show that are buying much bigger properties. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about what the, uh, what are some of the huge, uh, tax benefits, um, that came along with the tax cuts in jobs act, uh, that went into effect, uh, towards the end of 2017 and, uh, and how are those tax cuts and jobs act, uh, tax changes, uh, benefiting apartment investors? They're huge. So one of the key things, and everybody's heard bonus depreciation, that's a buzzword. If people don't really know what that is too much, they just know as bonus depreciation doesn't mean you get double depreciation. You get like extra, but what it allows when we do a cost segregation study, let's say on a $15 million apartment complex, which is a great example. And we identify let's say 33%. So we identify $5 million of accelerated depreciation. And that might be, you know, uh, 3 million in five year and 2 million in 15 years. There'll be a little seven year in there, but we'll just use that. So bonus depreciation allows you to take all your depreciation that's under 20 years in life and take it in year one. So you take that in year one. So all those deductions happen in this tax year. They say, well, I may not use those all this tax year. Well, it's like a bucket or bank of depreciation. We're talking about going to the bank earlier. It carries forward. 
or it passes through to the investors. So they have other investors, they have other passive income, or they're real estate professionals, which many of your people are, so they can offset ordinary income. Because many real estate professionals have a spouse that's working and it has a high W-2 wage, they want to offset that. So there's a lot of benefits. It really depends on the circumstance. But bonus depreciation was the biggest thing. And what the Tax Cuts Jobs Act did is it made it available to acquired properties. In the past, it was only available bonus was it was 100%, I think back in 2012 or something like that, early, but you know, it's been 50% a number of times, but it was only for new construction and then improvements. So if you did improvements. So having it done for acquired property, which IRS calls used property, is great for your audience because they're buying properties, they're doing value adds, and they get that benefit. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I, I just want to clarify that for our listeners out there. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're buying a used property, let's say you're buying something built in the 1980s, 1990s, uh, prior to the Tax Cuts and Job Act, you can only take uh, 50% bonus appreciation, but for only for things that were new. So you would buy this uh, basically old property and it really didn't mean anything for you. But with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, now you're buying this old property and now you can uh, expense um, or you can, you can take advantage of the depreciation, the bonus depreciation on that property that is used. That, that is really, really game changing. Yeah, I, I, I love it because I'm in the real estate business and if you put $100,000 into an investment, uh, and let's say you get a 5% rate of return on your money, you have a $5,000 gain on your, your, your K-1 at the end of the year in the partnership. It doesn't show up on your K-1 is $5,000 that you earned. It's not a plus number. It's a negative number. And that's what I like is the negative number. That's so I right. just had a, a K-1 that came in that my negative on $100,000 investment was like, $48,000 in, in just one investment. So I took that $48,000 and I gave it to my CPA and he goes, fantastic. How many more of these do you have? <laughs> so that's, that's one of the benefits of, uh, you know, bonus depreciation and that you can only pretty much get there by using a company like what Bill does in having an engineer's report go in. It's probably about 120, 149 pages of a, of a, of a, looks like an appraisal, but it's done by an engineer that kind of bases all these things out. So we know that if you didn't have it, you have X amount of years to depreciate. And that just makes it a lot shorter period of time. And that's what they do. And that's, there's a cost to do it. They have to physically take a look at the property. They take pictures, they do their analysis. It's a pretty thorough thing. And then they give you this piece of this document that again is about that thick. They give it to you and then you give it to your CPA. And then he breaks it down to all the percentage of ownership for all this, the limited partners in the deal. So where mine was X, if somebody had put in less money into the deal, it would be X divided by whatever that partnership interest was. So you, you do have some you have large benefits, not just looking at the yield, but also looking at the expenses and the loss on the deal. Anything more to add to that, JC? No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, gosh, it's just if you're making 5% cash flow, putting 5% on your, on your invested dollar into that deal. If you figure out that you're not paying taxes uh, on that, that money that's coming into your pocket, then really, let's say if you had a 30% or 35% tax bracket, it's really like making seven or 8% on your money instead of 5% on your money. Uh, so that's really the magic of depreciation. So, you know, Bill, uh, what, give us a couple of other, maybe bonus depreciation is obviously sort of the big fish. It's the, the shining North star, but what are some other, uh, benefits, added tax benefits from the J Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that you can give us? 
they made some changes to what's called the 179 expense, and that's where you can replace stuff and expense it. We talked about expensing when you have asset detail and you abandon or dispose of it and replace that. Like, you know, you can then expense that and take that expense. But the 179 will apply to the roof and HVAC. So if you're replacing the roof or the HVAC, then you can expense that in that tax year you're doing it versus capitalizing. Where in the past, you used to have to capitalize that and you say, we put on a $45,000 or a $85,000 roof. Now it's going to be on your capital. Now you can expense that. They increase those expense amounts significantly. So that is a definitely an opportunity to take that. You might tear off the old roof. And if we did a cost seg, we might give that roof very little value because it needed replacing. Or maybe it was because of a hurricane or damage. If you get insurance replacement, then you can't take that benefit because someone else is paying for it. But when you peel off the old roof, and let's say it did have value, most people peel it off throw it in the dumpster and they're peeling out some walls and bathrooms and toilets and things like that. And they're throwing them away and hauling away. Well, they had asset value. And so you want to dispose or abandon those off your books. Now, if it's five year and you're using the bonus depreciation, anything under 20, you've already taken it. So you really don't have anything to dispose of because you've already dealt with it in the cost sake study for bonus depreciation. But those roofs and HVACs, you know, are being replaced and you can expense those. So that's something key. And one other thing I think, is just the tangible property regs, which happened in 2014. I'm talking about because of the asset detail. And when you get asset detail on your straight line property, so many of the other companies don't give you asset detail on the straight line property. They just give it on the five year. They go through an account that we call cherry picking and they use a, a modeling approach and things like that. And, and you miss out. So where ELB does equal treatment of all components. So all the straight line property is identified Clearly, so when you do make changes, repairs and maintenance things, you can abandon and dispose of that and expense that in that tax year. Now that makes a lot of sense to me. So you know what you're saying is, if you take the the time and, and effort to uh, itemize out the 27 and a half year stuff, for example, the HVACs and the roof and stuff, if I if I'm going to come in as an owner and and let's say I'm going to go replace all those HVAC uh, units, then I can actually have use your study to go do abandonment. Um, on that stuff that I replace, and I can actually take advantage of that as an expense in that particular year that I dispose of those items. Absolutely. So you can actually take an expense. So they had a life on me. So it's been, you've had it for two years. And you look at the life value we put on there for those things. It's okay. Well, there's still, you know, they had a little life left to them. So there's still $20,000 worth of life left to them. So you haul them off and throw them away. So there's $20,000, which you can expense. And at a 37% tax bracket, that's some cash. So just haul it away and throw away cash. And then, oh, we're putting new ones on there. They're 5,000 or 2,000 a piece. Well, you can expense the new ones because the HVAC and roof you can expense. So kind of get a double benefit. But if you don't have the asset detail on that straight line, you can't take the abandonment. You yeah, I, I love that. That is, that is actually such a great tip for our, all our listeners out there. Um, all right. So, you know, Bill, look, there's, there's a lot of different cost segregation firms out there. And, you know, it, it it's, it's almost seems like everybody's doing cost segregation studies these days. Um, you know, what is, what, what are the things that, that are, you know, our listeners out there need to be looking out for when they're choosing and picking the right type of a, of a cost segregation provider? Well, I'm clearly biased, of course, to our firm, but you know, <laughs> you want to look to, you know, there's a lot of good firms out there that do a decent job and do engineering. But as I said, even a lot of the major big firms they do an engineering based study and they may not give you the detail on the, you know, 27 and a half year property. 
So you might see just one big lump sum for plumbing or one big lump sum for this. You have all your detail on this, and it looks like a lot of detail, and it's 125 pages. When you really build in, there's the IRS guidelines, there's a bunch of other things in there, and they don't give that detail. So here's what happens. So they're counting the electrical outlets that plug in for the stove and the oven, you know, and the microwave and the refrigerator and, and the washer dryer, and they're counting that. They give an electrical valuation based on, you know, means or Marshall Swift, which is construction cost. And they throw everything else in electrical and it's kind of lumps over there. Well, when you do that, you throw off your calculations of what those values are really worth. Unless you count all the electrical and then you plane it out, like I said, equal treatment of all components, you might miscalculate higher or lower of what that's actually worth. We go in there and engineer and say, what are they all worth? And we may have to do a squeeze value because you might have gotten a really good deal on your on your apartment. And so, you know, the replacement cost is X. We might have to squeeze that down to adjust to be proportionate. So you make everything proportionate. So they can be out of proportion. And of course, then you can certainly don't have the abandonment ability we talked about earlier, but that's one of the things that a lot of companies don't do is give you that 27 and a half year, you know, detail on every single component, which you know, our firm does and a few do. Now they still work. Yeah, Bill is extremely busy because this is tax time. So Bill, throw out, if somebody wanted to get a contact with you that needed to have a, uh, a bonus depreciation, uh, a cost segregation survey to be done, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, they can email me at Bill, B-I-L-L, at elbcostseg.com. That's Edward Larry Boyd, cost, C-O-S-T, S-E-G.com. Or you can call my cell phone at 480-747-5547. That's 480-747-5547. And I'll respond. We can do an assessment, talk about the need, and then hopefully do business. That's great. I appreciate that. Uh, JC, if somebody wanted to get more information about what you guys do, and by the way, what do you guys do over at the Multifam Group? Well, what we do, Polly, you know, the reason we started this show is the same reason why our company exists. And that is we love helping people and we love helping people make smart multifamily investment decisions. If you are out there and you're getting started and you're listening to the show and you're wondering, you know, how or why you should consider apartment investing, and you'd really like to hear from somebody who's been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, our company's been in business for over uh, 13 years now. We've, we've been through a recession. And so we know a little bit about, uh, you know, what it takes to make a smart decision in multifamily. So we'd be happy to help you out. You can go to our website, uh, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, multifamilypropertygroup.com. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation uh, with myself. And I would be happy to sit down and figure out if there is something that we can help you with. Polly, right. what do you got on your side? JC, you're the best. We're canceling all of our conferences for the next 60 yeah. to 90 days. So we have, uh, you know, old capital lending. We've closed over 5,700 apartment loans. We do about a billion plus a year in apartment financing. These are interesting times. You need to have somebody that's been through it before. I've done this for 35 years. Give us a call. Uh, send us an email. But go on to the oldcapitallending.com website, oldcapitallending.com website then listen also when you have a chance go on to oldcapitalpodcast.com old capital podcast and just kind of listen about what my uh, perception is about what's going on these days these are uh, interesting times and you need you need guys that have done it before have kind of traveled through this uh, this section of life in terms of real estate uh, I wouldn't try to do it yourself so it's a great information bill thanks very much for coming in spending some time with us during your busy season 
We do appreciate Thank that. JC, always a pleasure. I appreciate it. And then I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day.